For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Tuesday. Always happy to have you on board. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley also by email at Podcast at gmail.com. Send me a note. I love to hear from you guys. All right, coming up on future shows, we are going to speak with the extraordinary actor Jim Caviezel, who of course played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. Uh, he's got a new movie out, very important, riveting film called Sound of Freedom. We're going to talk to him about why he takes on these roles that are are morally important and important to faith and important to what is right in the world versus taking on like a Marvel movie. <laughs> We're going to talk to him about all of that. He's an extraordinary individual and it's going to be a really important, fascinating conversation. Also, Judge Janine Pirro is going to join us coming up uh, in a couple of days. And we're going to do a deep dive with Frank Gaffney on the CCP and indicting the Chinese Communist Party as we would indict, mm, say, organized crime figures. So you're not going to want to miss that. Really important conversations coming up. Later today, we're going to talk to former CIA operative Brian Dean Wright, um, who's just an extraordinary guy. He knows a lot of stuff, knows where the bodies are buried with the security state. He's incredible, and he's going to be here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk to him about Blinken and China. We're going to talk to him about the security state and the weaponization of government. We're going to talk to him about a lot of things, so really fascinating conversation coming up. First, though, the Monica Memo. Uh, we are in very dark times, as we all know, and the weaponization of government has as its corollary the two-tier justice system. So they all work in concert with each other. The deep state, the administrative state, works in concert with uh, law enforcement, the Department of Justice, our legal system, to have that two-tiered justice system so that those who are carrying out the crimes, those who are carrying out the weaponization of government, will never be held to account. They will never be prosecuted. So you see how it all fits together and how it all works. So we have two major developments connected with this overarching corruption slash destruction of our country. 
Uh, the first is that apparently just the news is reporting Hunter Biden has struck a deal with federal prosecutors to avoid prison by pleading guilty to two tax crimes and to admit to the facts of a gun charge. Okay, so Hunter Biden has been under investigation on this stuff since 2017, six years now. He's been under investigation for very straightforward crimes. Gun crime, pretty straightforward. I mean, if you were a gang member on this gun crime, you would have been in jail six years ago. This would have been fast track, done. Not Hunter Biden, protected two-tier justice system. Also, these two tax crimes, I mean... (laughs) Were they actually paying taxes on all of the ill-gotten gains from, say, China and Ukraine and Romania and God knows where else they were getting all kinds of bribes to the tune of tens of millions of dollars? House Oversight Chairman James Comer uh, just last week said, you know, we've been talking about five, ten million dollars Now it looks more like $30 million coming into the coffers of the Biden crime family, maybe more. Maybe it's upwards of 50 or $100 million. We don't know. And the other day when Biden was asked about it, he laughed. He laughed. He was like, don't ask me such a stupid question. And then he said, where's the money? taunting the press corps, knowing that the press corps is all in his back pocket and they're all going to protect him. Nobody's going to do a deep dive into the Biden family corruption and the Biden family money. Remember during Watergate and all subsequent scandals, the slogan is follow the money. Well, duh. And yet here, where are all of our investigative reporters? I mean, leave it to John Solomon. Thank God for him. And there are a few others out there doing the deep uh, digging here. But for the most part, the prestige organizations, New York Times, Washington Post, they could care less. In fact, they're not in the business of investigating. They're in the business of covering up and advancing the left's agenda. That's all they do. They're wingmen for the left, the Bidens, the Democrat, the Democrats writ large, right? So you're not going to get that kind of a deep dive. Hunter Biden, um, and on these tax crimes, by pleading guilty, so he's going to fall on the sword, and they're going to hope that that sort of uh, stems the bleeding here. All of this is going to be a slap on the wrist for Hunter Biden. He's not going to prison, obviously. He just pled, he pled guilty, he's got a deal, not going to jail. But they're still beating the war drums for Donald Trump to go to prison. Of course. You see how all of this works? The criminal crackhead son of the demented, corrupt hack in the White House, who this guy has committed so many crimes. I mean, we haven't gotten to prostitution. We haven't gotten to some of the children in some of these nudie pictures on the Biden laptop. I mean, He has committed so many gross crimes and yet strikes a deal, avoids prison, slap on the wrist, maybe a fine. How is he going to pay that fine, by the way? Oh, with the ill-gotten gains from China, Ukraine, Romania, and God knows where else. The corruption runs so deep, guys, and it it is just infuriating because it is ripping at the fabric of this country, tearing at the Constitution, tearing at the Bill of Rights, tearing at our very foundations, ripping apart our institutions. The same FBI that was investigating Hunter Biden was raiding Donald Trump. The same FBI covering for Hunter Biden for six years was raiding Donald Trump's home and is trying to crucify him. The same DOJ that's going to give Hunter Biden this little slap on the wrist, pay no biggie, and pay a fine with, mm, I guess, dirty money. That same DOJ is going after Donald Trump, and not just Trump, January 6th defendants. And in a moment here, I want to get to this absolutely outrageous IRS story. It is going to blow you away. But the same DOJ that is nailing regular Americans, parents standing up at school board meetings, January 6th defendants, 
um, average Americans who are just waving the flag. That same DOJ going after you and me because we have wrong think is giving Hunter Biden a pass. How do you like that? Today also, we got absolutely stunning news from the presiding judge in the classified documents uh, case for Donald Trump. She has now scheduled that trial for August 14th. This is unbelievable, guys. Everybody, all legal eagles from Fox News to MSNBC and everything in between, they're all saying, well, you know, this trial can't happen in the next year. And then we're in an election year. What's going to happen? The trial is going to happen after the election. You know, the feds move really slow. Any kind of federal case moves like a snail. There are going to be all kinds of motions and delays, and there's no way. And then if you're three months out from a major election, DOJ can't go ahead and blah, blah. And so everybody was projecting this into next year. Next year. And the judge set the trial for August 14th. So we're talking about, what, seven weeks, eight weeks? Wow. Wow. Now, I don't know that it's going to begin on August 14th because I am sure that Trump's team is going to file all kinds of motions, motions to dismiss, all all kinds of legal activity is going to happen. You're going to get this flurry of documentations and requests for delay and requests for all kinds of things. So it may very well not begin on August 14th, but the fact that she has said it so fast You talk about rocket docket. Wow. Wow. And I am sure that Jack Smith, the special counsel and the DOJ, Merrick Garland, all of these radical extremists are thrilled by this because they want to secure a guilty verdict. They want sentencing. And then, of course, Trump will appeal and it'll be endless appeals throughout all of next year if there is a conviction. And it may very well go all the way to the Supreme Court. Who knows? Okay. But the fact that the original trial is scheduled to happen so soon, (laughs) end of summer here, maybe the fall, wow. So we definitely have eyes on that. We're going to watch that very closely, of course, and come to this show for all of the latest on, on those developments. We also have another big development today with regard to Donald Trump and the lies that have been leveled at him. Remember special counsel John Durham? And he issued that scathing report on the origins of the Russia hoax, Crossfire Hurricane, as it's known. Um, He is testifying today on Capitol Hill in front of the House Intelligence Committee. So obviously, I'm doing this show before he is testifying. We are going to cover all of this on Thursday's show. We're going to cover Durham's testimony today. But I also want to do a deeper dive into the Russia hoax Because the mainstream media, which won Pulitzer Prizes for its coverage on this, and its made-up lies on this, I mean, coverage is, is too weak of a word. They weren't covering the Russia hoax. They were advancing the lies of the security state. And in most cases, they knew that it was a pack of lies, just like with COVID and everything else. All they do is just amplify. They use their platforms as bullhorns to amplify the lies of the left, the communists, the security state, the administrative state. That's all that they do. And so you can't count on the media at all. You cannot count on the press to remind us of what the Russia hoax was really all about. But on this show, we're going to. That is going to come up on Thursday. You're not going to want to miss that. I promise you. You know, the left is really good at creating extraordinary mythology around their own lies. So they develop a lie. The lie takes root. The lie is amplified by the press. The lie is advanced by those in power from the press to people sitting in Congress to White Houses to whatever. The lie is advanced. It is compounded. It is built upon. And then it is deeply ingrained by academics as part of history and then is taught to kids. And so you see how one lie developed by one person in one institution 
say, the CIA or the FBI or even a member of the press, one lie is like one little mustard seed that just takes off and grows into a mighty oak. I'm mixing my vegetative metaphors here, but you get the idea. And since they're all working in concert with each other, there's nobody there to call them out. So the left, once they generate a lie, that's it, lights out. That lie then becomes the story. It becomes the narrative. And it just grows and metastasizes like crazy. So Watergate, the whole left-wing narrative about Watergate has become God's truth, even though it's not. Even though we know now that, yeah, sure, Nixon made a lot of mistakes, but this was a deep state removal of Richard Nixon. A lot of people now have theories about JFK and that the CIA helped to take him out. Why? Because he wanted peace. He did not want to go into Vietnam. He was not part of the military industrial complex. Take him out. Nixon, same thing, wanted to completely reform the executive branch. Can't have that. Nixon making peace all over the place, opening to China, detente with the Soviet Union, shuttle diplomacy in the Middle East, ending the war in Vietnam. Can't have that. Got to take him out. So these stories, these, these fake narratives that they create around their own actions that are completely dark and evil, but they've got to create a top-line story, so they do that, and then it takes root, and that becomes the narrative. And it is the same thing with the Russia hoax. They've created the lie. They created the destructive evil actions that attended the lie in order to achieve their objective of undermining and destroying Donald Trump and his presidency. And then that superstructure of lies becomes the narrative. Well, not on my watch. On this show on Thursday, we're going to bust it all to shreds. And we're going to listen very carefully to what John Durham has to say up on Capitol Hill today. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about this unbelievable story with regard to the IRS. The IRS is coming knocking on your door unannounced. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so much more dangerous than that. I'm going to bring you this story coming straight up. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, uh, speaking of absolute insanity that continues to go on in our country, as the left continues to drive us down the road of tyranny, if we're not there already, we're going to talk about a lot of this with Brian Dean Wright, who's a former CIA officer. So he, this guy, he's incredible. He knows so much. And the security state working in conjunction with the law enforcement deep state is really spinning us into a a dictatorship. 
And it's a dictatorship that's been long in coming. But right now, we're at the point where it's really cementing itself. And I can't tell you how dangerous that is. Like all dictatorships, this one needs enforcers. It needs muscle. It needs people to keep regular citizens in absolute fear of government power. I think also we've really lost sight of the fact that we supposedly vote for our representatives, although that's in question now too with corrupt elections, but we pay their salaries. We pay the salaries not just of members of Congress and the president. We pay the salaries of the administrative state and the deep state. So how dumb are we? With our tax dollars, we're actually paying for these people to destroy our lives and destroy our country. And they have us doing it at the point of a literal gun in the form of the IRS. So we talk a lot on this show about the other fearsome government agencies that have been completely weaponized against us, the DOJ and the FBI. And again, later today, we're going to talk about the fearsome agency of the CIA and how that's been weaponized against us in total violation of the law. But we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the other big fearsome government agency that has the power to ruin your life and put you in jail and bankrupt you, and that is the IRS. Now, I was at Treasury for two years in the Trump administration an incredible, incredible adventure and honor of a lifetime. And I learned a lot about the IRS because the IRS sits within the Treasury Department. Learned a lot about the IRS when I was there. And in the Trump years under Secretary Mnuchin, and we had an IRS commissioner that was pretty good, um, you know, the IRS was doing its job, which is making sure that tax revenue came in and enforcing tax laws. That is their mission. We can debate whether we need a federal income tax, whether it's constitutional, whether we should have an IRS. All of those bigger discussions are for another day, and they're legit. But the IRS exists now, and we made sure that the IRS was actually doing its job and not freelancing targeting political enemies. That has been going on at least since JFK, certainly Lyndon Johnson, Democrat presidents, and maybe it, it's gone on before. Maybe maybe this has gone back to FDR in those years. But I certainly know that JFK and Lyndon Johnson, those Democrats, wielded tremendous power with the IRS and sick the IRS on their political enemies, including Richard Nixon. And then, of course, Nixon got tied up in some of this as well. So the IRS is not supposed to be a political agency. It's just supposed to collect tax money. That's it. And enforce tax law. That's it. But because it's such a fearsome agency, it's wide open for abuse for those who want to abuse their power. And many have over the years. But what we're seeing now is like beyond anything we have ever seen. Because in, say, the Kennedy or Johnson or Nixon cases, they they were specifically targeted to elite political enemies. And again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not excusing any of this. These are outright crimes and abuses of power. But they were geared for political elites who happened to be enemies of whatever president was in office. They were not geared for average American citizens. Now what we saw, at least starting with Barack Obama and the whole Lois Lerner scandal, is that the IRS then was turning its gun turrets toward you and me. The average American citizen just going about your life, but happens to have wrong think, happens to be a conservative, happens to vote Republican, happens to care about their kids, happens to go to church, happens to vote for Donald Trump, happens to be member of the Tea Party, happens to be a MAGA, America First voter. Mm. That, once again, is a hallmark of tyranny. And this is where we are right now. So I wanted to bring you this IRS story because it is 
beyond belief. Just when you think you've heard it all with this administration, oh no, it gets worse. Wall Street Journal had a great editorial on this. Okay, so on Friday, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan sent a letter to the IRS Commissioner Daniel Werfel demanding answers about this incredibly bizarre, disturbing, and a horrifying case. The letter from Jordan to Werfel says that on April 25th of this year, a taxpayer living in Marion, Ohio, just living his or her life, got a visit from a man who claimed his name was Bill House and who worked in the IRS criminal division. This is how this IRS agent identified himself, Bill House, who works in the IRS criminal division. House said that he needed to talk to this taxpayer about an estate for which she was the fiduciary. She let him in the house despite having received no prior IRS communications. Just to be really clear, the IRS will only reach out to you, at least initially, by mail. Old school post office mail. They will not email you. They will not text you and they will not call you. If you receive any of those kinds of communications from someone claiming to be from the IRS, that is a scam. The IRS only reaches out to you, again, at least initially, by mail with a formal written communication. They certainly will not show up unannounced to your door. House claimed that this taxpayer had not properly filled out estate forms and owed the IRS, quote, a substantial amount. Only when the taxpayer presented proof of paying all taxes on the estate did this agent reveal that his visit wasn't about the estate at all. Oh, really? So he got into her house on false pretenses, faking the reason for his visit. He then told her that it was about several supposed delinquent tax returns related to the decedent of the estate. So this person died, probably a relative, and he claims, well, some past tax returns were not paid in full uh, by the deceased person, and we need you to make up that money. So the taxpayer then turns around and very smartly, and she probably should have done this at the outset, but eventually she called her lawyer who insisted that Mr. House leave the house, only to be told by Mr. House, quote, I am an IRS agent. I can be at and go into anyone's house at any time I want to be. Oh, really? Actually, no, you can't. House finally left, but not before threatening to freeze the taxpayer's assets and put a lien on her house if she didn't satisfy the balance within one week. She obviously thought this is a scam. She was right to think it was a scam, but it actually wasn't a scam because this guy was legit IRS. So she called the local cops who ran Mr. House's license plate to verify his identity. When a police officer then called Mr. House, Mr. House identified himself as an IRS agent, but said that House wasn't his real name. He had used an alias. Excuse me? The officer, also suspecting a scam, warned that if House returned to the taxpayer's home, he would be arrested on the spot. House then, get this, House, this fake guy, he's actually IRS, but he used a fake name, then filed a complaint against the Marion, Ohio police officer with the Treasury Department Inspector General. What? Jim Jordan's letter says that the taxpayer on May 4th spoke with Mr. House's supervisor, who clarified that she owed nothing on this estate and said in the understatement of the year that, quote, things never should have gotten this far, you think? But the following day, the taxpayer received a letter addressed to the deceased person in her family, stating that the decedent was delinquent on several 1040 filings. 
This was the first and only mail notification the taxpayer received. Remember, I told you the IRS only reaches out initially by mail. This taxpayer was again told by the supervisor that nothing was owed. Forget about the letter. The letter is wrong. Nothing was owed and was notified on May 30th that the case was in fact closed. If all of this is true, guys, I cannot overstate how dangerous this is. You have an agent of the United States Treasury wielding the power of tax enforcement and the ability to put liens on everything, bankrupt you, and throw you in prison, also backed by the full weight of the federal government, this person shows up unannounced at a taxpayer's home. He lies about his name and his reason for being there to get inside the house and then threatens this taxpayer with punishment if she doesn't pay a tax bill that she doesn't owe. This IRS agent leaves only after an intervention by her attorney. And when local police call the agent, he sicks the Treasury Department on the cop? Jim Jordan wants all of the documents and communications related to this entire episode, and the IRS uh, commissioner, Werfel, cannot be allowed to stonewall this. Guys, this is the second report of an IRS house call that we've heard about since March. Remember the journalist Matt Taibbi? IRS agents went to his home on the day that he was testifying in front of Congress on, guess what? Government abuse of power. What is going on at the Biden uh, Treasury Department and IRS? What is happening? What in this IRS workplace culture gives these agents the idea that it, this is okay? I think we know what's going on here. This is the reason why the Democrats and Biden wanted $80 billion for the IRS to create a standing army of 87,000 new IRS agents. They talk about, Biden just put out a tweet the other day. They talk about, well, we're going to target the rich, the Elon Musks of the world, to pay their fair share, which is complete bull. The wealthiest 1% carry the vast majority of federal income tax in this country. They are more than paying their fair share. It's not about that. It's about going after the middle and working classes, you and me, because that's where the actual money is. And they need a standing army in order to target you and me. But the really scary component of all of this is the fact that the IRS for years has been massing guns, and ammo. What does the tax man need with guns and ammo? Exactly. I think we know that they have literally weaponized. We talk about weaponization of government. This is the literal weaponization of government so that the IRS has the power and the ability not just to bankrupt you and throw you in prison, but also to literally take your life if they show up at your house with guns ablazing. Cannot overstate how dangerous this is. Yet another hallmark of tyranny. When we come back, we're going to talk to Brian Dean Wright, formerly of the CIA, about another aspect of the tyranny that we find ourselves living in, and that is the security state, including the CIA. So don't move a muscle for that. First, so guys, you know, thanks to the debt ceiling deal, and, and I should say, on the debt ceiling deal, the Republicans had a providential opportunity to strip out all of the money for this standing IRS uh, army, the full $80 billion. In fact, the very first vote that the Republicans took in January of this year when they took control of the House was defund the IRS army. And they were all so proud about it, remember? But in this debt ceiling deal, what did McCarthy do? He only stripped, I think, 20 out of the $80 billion. So they've still got $60 billion in additional dollars to play with to create this army to go after you and me. Also, thanks to this recent debt ceiling deal, we're going to be saddled with 4 or $5 trillion more of debt 
in just the next two in just the next two years. It's completely unbelievable. Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of our friends over at Birch Gold. And here's the easiest way to do it, guys. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. It's amazing. As the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the U.S. dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. And you know what they're buying? They're buying gold. Why? Now we know why. Follow their lead. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings too. Text Monica to 989-898 and do it. Take action today. We're coming right back. Well, this is the perfect guest uh, for today, given what we've already been covering on the show and the headlines coming at us uh, daily now. Brian Dean Wright, who joined our show once last year, and I'm so delighted to have him back on the show. He is a former CIA officer, mm, deep state, not Brian. <laughs> he blows a whistle on the deep state. He's also currently the host of the great news podcast, The Right Report, and that's W-R-I-G-H-T, The Right Report. It's a fantastic show. Please go check it out. Brian joins us again now. Welcome back. Well, good day to you. How are you today? I am great, and I'm thrilled to have you once again on the show. And like I said, Brian, you are the perfect guest, given what uh, we've got coming at us with regard to President Trump uh, and the deep state's constant attacks. And as I always say, the deep state works hand in glove with law enforcement, DOJ and FBI, to prosecute their enemies. So they create a lie they create a superstructure of a narrative. Uh, and it, I mean, when you've got the deep state and the administrative state creating the lie as a form of attack and then pressing that attack in courtrooms, um, it becomes exceedingly dangerous and it becomes the hallmarks of a tyranny. So I wanted to talk to you and we'll get to the state of the security state since you were in yeah. the CIA. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. But before we do, let's begin with where we are on this classified documents case with regard to President Trump. One of the big questions here, and I'm sure you saw that earlier today, the judge in the case, astonishingly set the trial date for August 14th, which may or may not happen. I am sure we're going to get all kinds of delays, but that is really fast tracking this case. And one of the central questions here is the allegation that Trump um, had as as uh, post president had nuclear secrets um, in Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. mixed in with the Iran attack plan or whatever else uh, he had, and that even as a former president he did not have the right to have those nuclear secrets. Number one and number two, did he have the right to declassify nuclear secrets? Yeah. So I think this conversation is really best had when we kind of separate two things. What might you and I have suggested to the president or any president they do or he or she do with this classified material? Should they take it? And if so, why? So that's kind of our counsel, right? The second piece is legally or constitutionally, what is a president allowed to do? So when we talk about the nuclear secrets or uh, nuclear secrets or frankly, any kind of formerly classified or you know currently classified information that a president can declassify, I would recommend don't take it with you. Uh, it only gets you, generally speaking, in trouble. Even if you can declassify it, I recommend don't do it. But that's frankly not the ultimate question here, certainly with the Department of Justice. Can a president declassify? Generally speaking, a wide berth is given to a president of any kind because of a Supreme Court case, U.S. Uh, Navy versus Egan. And what is so important in that ruling that was back from 1988 is it said that the president, because of this constitutional authority, has the ability to, to uh, declassify and control national security information irrespective or, frankly, beyond the granting or, or restriction of such by Congress. In other words, a president could do a whole lot. Even if we give the counsel, hey, don't do it, they still can. 
So when it comes to this nuclear secret stuff, that is really central to understanding what the president can do, because there is a law, the Atomic Energy Act, that that uh, there's a very, very clear process where you, a person has to go through the Department of Energy and the Department of, of Defense to declassify that material. And in this case, President Trump didn't do it while he was president. Well, that's the allegation. But to be clear, it's not obvious or, frankly, constitutionally settled that the law even applies to him. So that's what I talk about uh, on the podcast today. And I've done uh, previously uh, back on June 12th, this issue of U.S. Navy versus Egan. What is the constitutional precedent? And why is it that the Department of Justice is on some very thin constitutional and legal ice here by chasing after Trump? on an issue that most national security lawyers are either deeply divided on or they actually make the argument that Trump, yes, has the authority to declassify whatever he wants, including nuclear secrets. So that is a really critical point. I mean, because the the question that those who are arguing, well, he he didn't go through the process, he didn't have the authority to declassify these uh, documents. The, The question that they don't answer, Brian, is, well, then who is? Who is this uh, force? Who is this authority that constitutionally supersedes the president of the United States, who is also the commander in chief? Who is That's this right. entity? Where? What are they? Where Where are they? They, they yeah, cannot well, answer that question. And the Constitution amen. is silent on it. Yeah. So, look, there are two very, very important scenarios we can talk about for why the Constitution and indeed this this Supreme Court ruling makes clear that the president can declassify and share and control national security information. Let's talk about if uh, the president is involved in peace negotiations, you know, matters of war and peace, and they're out in Europe or in, in wherever it may be, and they want to share a piece of information that they know is classified. And they are in the midst of, of you know, war negotiations. Are they supposed to go through some official process taking however long it takes? No. The president makes the choice on, on the spot to share that information to move forward a peace negotiation or a war plan. That is the, the commander in chief in action as the Constitution authorizes. Right. The other concern that that and the reason why a president has so, so much wide berth here is let's say a president discovers uh, information, classified information that suggests that the federal government has done something wrong, unlawful, unconstitutional. They shouldn't have to go to that executive branch or that congressional you know, entity and ask for permission to release bad stuff, right? The, 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 the unlawful actors getting permission to share their unlawful behavior, that's ridiculous. So the president has the ability to declassify that stuff and, and really air out all the bad, dirty laundry. That is another reason for why the, the, the Constitution gives this wide berth to the president. So there are lots of scenarios for why this one person, not anybody else, but why the, the commander in chief of this of this country has very unique and special access and ability to declassify and share national security information. Yes. I mean, the, the Constitution created a unitary executive. Now, the executive branch is completely out of control. And we're going to get to that with you as well. DOJ, yeah. FBI, CIA, NSA. I mean, the, the entire branch he sits atop is completely mad and uh, full of abuses. But with the unitary executive, he does have the sole right. So look, this thing is going to go to trial sooner than anybody thought. If there is a conviction, obviously there's going to be appeals. And I could see this thing going all the way to the Supreme Court to address Absolutely. the very constitutional questions you're raising. Absolutely. And, and I, I think fundamentally, while you might have 10 attorneys that gave you 15 different opinions on this, ultimately, at the end of the day, the Supreme Court needs to go back to that 88 case that the 1988 case of Navy versus Egan specifically lay out what the president can and can't do based on the constitutional read. And I think if president is is any indication, they're going to give a president, Trump or otherwise, the ability to declassify and control that national security information on virtually any and all cases. Yes, wide latitude any president has. And And by the way, it's not like Donald Trump is the only president to have walked off with government documents. I mean, they all do it. And one of the big reasons why they yeah. all do it, first of all, a lot of them want to write memoirs. Donald Trump has not sure. written a memoir. He's done other books, but not a memoir. And they want those documents to be able to refer to them as the writing process goes on and they want to be historically accurate. The other point, Brian, is that 
if you're president of the United States and you're on your way out of the White House, you're not sitting there on January 19th packing your own boxes, okay? It's not right. like Donald Trump was like, ooh, here is the Iran attack plan. I'm going to take that to Mar-a-Lago, put that right over there next to my golf shirts. Like, he was not doing that. So the question is, the General Services Administration comes in to pack up a lot of stuff. They move presidents in and out every four years. They're really good at it. Uh, All of these people took just reams of stuff and threw it in boxes and said, we'll sort this out, you know, at a later point in time, but we've got a compressed period of time just to pack up the outgoing president's stuff. Um, So all of that is sort of being overlooked. And uh, Donald Trump yesterday was on with Brett Baer, Brian, and I don't know if you saw it, but he was saying, look, it, they they made like a hash of this packing. So I, I literally did have golf shirts mixed in with government documents, and I had right. to personally go through yeah. everything and try to sort. And for anybody who has moved, you know that. You have to go through every item and say, am I taking this with me? Am I throwing this out? Or am I giving this to charity? And it is a tedious yeah. process. And Trump was trying to say, this is what the, I've been going through for the last two years. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the things you, you mentioned that it's so important, the National Archives actually testified to Congress back in March that every president uh, since Reagan and his administration has screwed up or otherwise taken classified information that did, that did not go through you know, whatever they believe to be the, the correct process. So this is not a new issue. This goes back many decades. This is something that has been argued back and forth between presidents, uh, current and former, of what they can take, what what they are authorized to take, what the law allows, what constitutionally they can do. So this isn't a new issue. This goes back to at least Reagan. So I, I think the question is, did Trump receive some kind of special consideration, as it were, about how he took those documents, what documents he took, and did the Department of Justice go after him for very, very clear political reasons? And I think most people at this point are saying, yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't pass the sniff test, does it? Biden's DOJ going after the guy who it, in some polls is beating him uh, for the next presidential race. That's why this thing smells. Yep, it's a deep state attack, or I should say yet another deep state attack on Donald Trump, Russia hoax being numero uno, and there were so many others related to Ukraine. They literally have gone after Donald Trump for all of their crimes. I mean, you don't think Barack Obama walked off with reams of classified documents and Joe Biden, I mean, it's clear he had classified documents. Anyway, it is going to work its way through the system and apparently sooner rather than later. All right, Brian, I'm going to ask you to please stand by much more with you straight ahead. First, though, guys, you've heard me talk about Nutrafol for a really long time now, and that's because Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage for both men and women. For my listeners, when you use promo code MONICA, you will get 10 bucks off your very first month subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Nutrafol is the hair growth supplement that goes beyond genetics to target stress, hormones, nutrition, metabolism, aging, and lifestyle factors that may be impacting your hair. Thinning is different for men and women, and Nutrafol has multiple unique formulas for men and women to provide exactly what you need based on your biology and age. Every formula is physician-formulated using natural medical-grade ingredients for reliable results without compromises. In clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after just six months. Nutrafol is also trusted and recommended by more than 3,000 top doctors. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code MONICA to save $10 off your first month subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. So get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Nutrafol.com, promo code MONICA. We're coming right back. Okay. 
Okay, we are back with Brian Dean Wright. All right, let's shift gears, if we can, here, Brian, and talk about Secretary Blinken, Biden's Secretary of State, just made a trip to China and apparently got his ass handed to him in that very polite CCP kind of way. Can you tell us what came out of these meetings, if anything? Look, yeah, so the White House went to Beijing uh, with Secretary Blinken with two very clear goals. First and foremost, to reconnect the two militaries and the, an emergency hotline, basically, so that the two can deconflict to prevent accidents that then, then escalate into war, God forbid, nuclear war. That was the number one goal. Biden and his team failed. Uh, President Xi of China said in both word and tone, absolutely not interested. So that tells you, I think, what Beijing thinks of both Biden and the United States. And that's pretty sorrowful, I think, for most of us, that that the, our great uh, competitor thinks that not much of us anymore. Uh, it, I think it speaks to the declining state of America's power. And it's not just what China did. It's what the world saw is that, you know, she basically just turned us down and said, no, thanks. The other thing is that we went with a very specific ask around drugs. So we know that the Chinese government knows specifically the people and the pharmaceutical companies that are working openly with Mexican cartel members, sending this precursor chemical stuff that's cooked up in China, sent to Mexico. They create fentanyl, and then those pills are pressed and sent, of course, into the United States. Just last week, we learned from the CDC, over 109,000 people died in the last 12 months because of these drugs coming overwhelmingly from China, of course, working with these Mexican cartels. So the Biden administration went to Beijing saying, work with us on this, to which Beijing and President Xi said, we agree to think about the possibility of creating a committee that will discuss this issue. So basically, they just completely brushed us off, brushed off Biden and Blinken. So there was very little accomplished on those two main goals. The one thing that President Xi really wanted was a proclamation that the United States would not support Taiwanese independence, and we gave it to them. Right. So in other words, we got nothing, and we got we gave China exactly what they want, plus this very weird deal that we could, we probably should talk about of Biden uh, basically apologizing for China and their spy balloon saga. Yeah, I mean, that that is also insane, but let's just hone right in on Taiwan. What are the geopolitical implications for the fact that Secretary Blinken, representing the president of the United States, just threw Taiwan under the bus? Well, it means two things um, that if you're a leader of Taiwan or the people of Taiwan, you know that the support by the United States just got a lot squishier because last fall there was a much more, well, blunt message from the White House that, At least they were saying at the time, Taiwan can choose what it wants in terms of independence. That was a very clear change of policy. Well, now they've gone back to the old, which is giving China um, what it wants. And so if I were a leader or a person in Taiwan this morning, I would be a little bit anxious about the United States actually being there for us. If, as the United States intelligence community, the Pentagon is saying, by the year 2027, uh, President Xi of China wants to be able to take Taiwan back by force. So we've got a couple of years, two, three years uh, that we could see a conflict. And boy, I'll tell you, if I were there, I would be very anxious. And by the way, this affects all of us. Over 70% of the world's super uh, you know, computer chips come from Taiwan. So if that place gets bombed, we are potentially going back way back in time to where uh, we, we, you know, we're not going to have access to those computer chips that are in everything in, in this modern era. Well, Taiwan is so critical to the global economy, including our economy. And as you say, the semiconductors, the chips, absolutely critical to everything we use from laptops to cars to our refrigerators. It's all coming from Taiwan. But there is a moral dimension to this as well as uh, an economic one and a geopolitical one. I mean, the people of Taiwan live in a free society. And if the United States of America, supposedly the beacon of freedom, will not stand up for the Taiwanese people and their democratic system, what good are we? And and what does that mean for democracies and human freedom around the world? Yeah, I'll tell you, here's the incredible thing to me. There are countries like Paraguay or Vanuatu or Tonga, places that none of us generally probably have heard of, maybe vaguely, they are standing up for Taiwan. And they're doing so because of values, the exact same thing you just talked about, which is freedom, right? Liberty. That's what these small countries are. They are standing up to Beijing and saying, no, you will not take these people away from their freedoms. And the United States, with all the money that we spend, with all the rhetoric that we talk about with freedom, 
that we don't have the same spine as a place like Paraguay or a place like uh, Tonga. I mean, goodness gracious, what has happened to this country? Uh, if we are getting outcompeted on the values conversation by countries that would mightily benefit from the open pocketbook of Beijing, but they turn it down because of values. Yes. I mean, and it takes a lot of strength to do that because greed is a powerful force. Sometimes Amen. greed can be a great force. You know, it, it drives innovation, creativity, advancements, technology, all of that stuff. But, you know, all of our entities have been captured you know, the elite capture that the CCP uh, began to implement, what, 20 years ago to capture our political elites, our cultural elites, Hollywood, our sports yeah. elites, the NBA. It's like, well, here's a billion person market for you. The almighty dollar. We know that you chase that with all deliberate speed. Here it is. Here's your market. Amen. And that they, they still, you know, after all these years, they just haven't, they, they haven't changed their tune at all. And I'm all for making money, but at some point, we're talking about the existential presence of America here, Precisely. right? And we're going to be turned Precisely. into a slave state to the CCP if we don't cut it out. That's absolutely correct. And that's really the, the ultimate argument that we made during the Cold War, right? It, and frankly, even before then in existential fights against like the, the Nazis in Germany, we, we made the values argument to the world. And that's part of the reason why the world looks to us. They understand that we stand up, uh, you know, and do the right thing. That that is a critical uh, part of the American, you know, the zeitgeist, and and it's our constitution. It's all the stuff, you know, to, to be that shining uh, city on the hill. Uh, but when we do stuff like this, and when we capitulate, when we send over our or our corporate leaders go over there and kowtow, it tells us that a very different America has emerged, and it's not a very pretty one. No. No, unfortunately. And with the sp uh, spy balloon, let's get back to that question. So Biden had dismissed it as, quote, silly, Brian, that silly balloon. Um, and Tony Blinken minimized it while he was with President Xi in China and just, you know, sort of uh, took it right off the table. So now the CCP, in addition to the balloon, they've got all kinds of presences here in the United States, uh, police stations, all kind. They're deeply embedded in yeah. our universities. They're stealing our tech. They're still uh, everything. So they are literally spying on pretty much all of us via TikTok and our phones and you name it. Yes. So the spy yes. balloon was just the most obvious, but they are deeply infiltrated in this country. I, none of this is going to be to be fixed while we still have a commander in chief who is that deeply compromised with China. Correct. That's, that's absolutely correct. Look, it, you know, if you look at polling, this isn't just a, you and I feel this way, you know, over 70 to 85% of independents and Republicans in this country believe that Joe Biden is compromised by the CCP. So when you have that overwhelming number of, especially independents who believe that is true, then I think most of us are, are looking at the obvious, which is, yes, this president is compromised by the Chinese government, and it will not change until that man is gone. Yeah. Uh, it's that is 100 percent true. So we've got another at least year and a half of dealing with being uh, put on our knees by our most existential enemy, which is the CCP. Yes. It's just beyond That's belief. Um, in our final couple of minutes here, Brian, can you just give us a sense of the U.S. security state? And that involves the CIA, NSA. Um, you know, there are other organizations, DIA, that operate in the shadows, and they are supposed to be focused externally on America's external threats. And yet yeah. over the last, well, several decades, actually, but really over the last decade or so, we've seen uh, their political activity, their targeting of Americans, the American people, ga surveillance, gathering intel on the American people really ramp up. And then, of course, the attacks on existential threats to their grip on power, like Donald Trump. Where are we in the security state? How dangerous is this? And what did you see when you were in there? Yeah, look, you are spot on in your assessment of how bad this is and how widespread it is. And, and I'm uh, horrified to say that the organization that I used to work for has gone from defending the nation to interfering in the politics of the nation. You know, there were seeds of this that I remember when I was there, uh, you know, hearing stories about a guy named Aldrich Ames. He was a CIA officer who was secretly working for the Russians. When he was arrested, he was asked by the FBI, why did you do it? And he said, because I know what is best for the nation and I'm going to act on that. 
right? These are people who have profound powers who think that they are somehow anointed to do whatever it is they want based on their politics or their feelings. And they use those powers to, to execute whatever goal they might have. And so I think that we're seeing that you know issue that, by the way, happened back in the 1990s. We're seeing it again, but but on a much more pervasive level and a much more open level. Guys like James Comey, who the inspector general said, look, what you did and the example that you set for over 30,000 people for using your own personal politics to damage an existing president or a sitting president and a, previously a candidate. The, the evidence is, is overwhelming and it's very clear. So how do you fix that? You got to have a different guy in the White House who then picks a different leader of the Department of Justice, different leaders of the FBI and the CIA, the NSA. And you give them the charge and you tell them, get rid of a whole bunch of people. Just fire folks. Reduce the size. That's part number one. The second is you reduce the the, the money, right? You work with Congress to, to minimize the purse. And then finally, you also work with Congress to remove powers from these organizations. That's how you get them under control, because you are quite right to say we have a multitude of examples that are beyond contesting that say we have a problem and we have we must have different leadership to fix it. Because if we don't, we we turn into a country that is like I saw and worked abroad against, you know, places like Egypt or Pakistan, where the deep state, whatever we want to call it, has taken over. And there is no more democracy. And that is the road that we are currently on. Yes. And it's the road to tyranny if we're not already there. I mean, look, everything you laid out is exactly what needs to be done. But you need political leadership. You need someone with balls, frankly, with real political will to basically purge these institutions of all of the corruption. And the corruption runs so deep. Also, there are all kinds of provisions in uh, for the federal government for employees employees that you can't fire them on the spot. They are protected. Um, You've got to go through a whole lengthy process. Trump wants to change that. And in fact, he did for a period of time in his first term. And he said, second term, that's the first thing I'm going to do is uh, remove that provision so we can fire people at will. But then you need Congress to defund. It is a whole thing. And that's why you need somebody to rip it out. I think root and branch. Are you of the opinion that these institutions are beyond uh, being able to be reformed? Are they not reformable? Do we have to raise them to the ground and start again? Or do you think that we can, with the right leadership, purge the bad elements and change the culture of these institutions and work with the structure we already have? Well, the the Constitution doesn't say we have to have an FBI or CIA. Right. We can do, we can tackle the issues and the missions that these organizations have in other ways. And so I, I'm a bit agnostic about whether or not we keep the CIA or the, the FBI. Instead, I look at the missions. Like, how do we counter Chinese spies that are operating in this country, the, the Chinese uh, or the Mexican cartels, the, the, the various malign actors? Who takes responsibility for that? If we no longer trust the FBI or the Department of Justice because it's too wildly politicized, then who takes over those responsibilities? The same thing is true with the CIA. By the way, there, there's an intel entity within the, the State Department called INR. They actually got their assessments correct uh, regarding uh, the Ukrainians standing up to the Russians or the Afghan people and the military collapsing uh, to, to the Taliban. So they got it right, whereas the CIA got it wrong. So we, it's not to say that we don't have other functions in places like the State Department that might actually be a little bit more effective than the CIA on some really big issues. So let's talk about it. I am open to dissolving of those organizations and entities. We're running a deficit. We got a massive uh, national debt. So let's think about getting rid of some of these places. So long as the underlying needs, I think, are met on a local state level or in some way on a national level in a way that we have a much better ability to, to get some oversight over these people because that is what's missing. Yeah, I know that's 100% true. And all of the crimes that we are aware of, I mean, I can't imagine the crimes being committed by the security state that we're not aware of, but all of the mm. uh, crimes that we have been made aware of, there's no prosecution. I mean, the, the fact that the CIA is turning its fearsome power inward on American citizens, I mean, this is so illegal. 
I mean, this is like beyond yeah. illegal and absolutely terrifying. And again, a marker of tyranny. And yet when you've got a corrupt justice system, see how it all works together. Uh, when you've got a corrupt justice system that will not hold any of these people or institutions accountable, forget it. And they're, they just keep going, committing these crimes, and the crimes only ratchet up. They never ratchet down their crimes. They only ratchet yeah. them up because they start feeling their power. They know there's no accountability, and they keep going. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, we have to have trust and faith in our DOJ and our FBI and the CIA. And if we don't, and frankly, we have very good reason not to trust them, then we need to have a very serious conversation and then action to fix that. And if that includes getting rid of these organizations, then let's do it. Yep. Brian Dean Wright, you are absolutely terrific. I can't thank you enough for your insights and for your time today. Brian Dean Wright is a former CIA officer, as you could hear, <laughs> with very firm and uh, and common sense opinions about what's going on and, and how we can fix this. For more, check out his new podcast. It's fantastic. It's called The Right Report, W-R-I-G-H-D, The Right Report. Brian, thank you so much. Such a treat. Thank you. For me too. Thanks. God bless. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for being here as always and for checking out our great sponsors. We all really appreciate that. Um, all right, so I will see you right back here on Thursday. Again, we're going to cover the Russia hoax and John Durham's appearance today on Capitol Hill. So that is not a show you're going to want to miss. All right, have a great balance of your week and I will see you right back here on Thursday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.